1: talking all things NFL draft talking about what positions are deep what positions aren't deep we'll do that at 3:30 we'll hear from Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network in just a quick second we did throw the question out there what's more exciting for you this offseason free agency or the draft and why our dwbbroke.com text sign is 69187 keyword rnr and what you got to do is if you're going to text 69187 that's your that's the phone number and then before you send the text You put the letters R-N-R, space, and then your message, and we should get it. I know sometimes it's a little confusing, but we should get it. If you don't put the R-N-R, it'll go to our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, and then we won't get it, and then you'll wonder why we ignored you. It's just because we didn't see it. Black Hole Jr. from the Bay hit us up on Twitter, and he actually said, I can't text in somehow, but I'll send you guys a direct message. So he did. He said, I have to go with the draft. Two days of young studs and great picks and some of those that make you go, hmm, Draft party back on Saturday mornings was amazing. I wish they went back to Saturday and Sunday and Friday night, Saturday and Sunday, but the NFL wants to put it on prime time. It's almost better than opening day, in my opinion. And I'm with you, Black Hole Jr. from the Bay. Thanks so much for that, uh, that text. I used to love the draft day parties on Saturday and Sunday. That was my get down. That was my ish, if you know what I mean, right? I used to love Sitting around watching the draft all day long on Saturday, and I remember, uh, and I, I told the story yesterday about uh, you know delivering for FedEx. Uh, the one of the last times that I, when I was delivering for FedEx and the draft was coming up, and I don't remember who the Raiders drafted that year. But anyway, um, I was so ex- excited the whole time I'm delivering that day. I just had an extra edge to me, and everyone kept saying, "Why are you so pumped up?" And I was like, "I I gotta hurry up and get through this this route." I got to get back to the house, man. The draft is tonight. That was the first year that they had it on a Thursday night, and I was mad because I used to so much love Saturdays. But, I mean, you know you know how the NFL is. It's always made for, for TV. It's made for primetime. They got to do it big each and every time. But thank you so much for that. And like I said, I do get excited about the draft as well. Before we get to Daniel Jeremiah, we'll get one quick call in at 702-365-9200. Who we got up, Demon Raider Mac. Raider Mac, welcome to the show. What's on your mind?
0: What's up, Q? What's up, DeMond? First of all, uh, um, Q – I just, I'm only speaking for myself. I, I know yesterday it got heated yesterday with some people and, you know, regarding um, Jacobs and stuff. I just want you to know, and Demire, we I'm never coming at you guys or anything like that. You know, Later Nation is passionate, but you you know, we we have a lot to be thankful because of y'all. And you know, you guys bring on all these great guests and, and put all this stuff together. We really appreciate it, man, because we didn't have this before. So I just want, for me, I understand that you know I I don't want you guys to take
1: anything. Oh personal. no, no, you're good. I, I, I'm not going at y'all. No, you're good. So I just want to make sure that. <laughs> yeah, it, you're good.
0: Um, I just want to make sure. And, and also, <laughs> I, here's my thing: the draft, the draft. You know who's going to usually get picked, except for when the Raiders come up, and then sometimes <laughs> you don't have a draft pick. So I'm going to say the free agency because when when I heard we got um, Devontae Adams man i i lost my mind last year. <laughs> you know during the draft it, mm-hmm. it's good like if you got the first pick and even with that you still know who's going to be drafted but free agency is totally different because you don't know who you're going to land and when we got um Chandler Jones i was you know it, i for me it's the draft hey Q, what, one thing i want you i you guys going to be talking to uh to to McDaniels and yep. and, and to to Zeke here here's my biggest question to them are the players that they trying to bring in, are if, and, if you can ask them this: Are the players that they trying to bring in are they? Is it to fit the their system or are they just bringing in talent? You know, because there's a difference between yeah. guys bringing in. Um, Bill Parcells says he wasn't bringing in players to fit his talent to fit his, his system. He was just bringing in talented players, and that's why we go wrong sometimes. We try. I mean, coaches go wrong trying to put. You know, bringing their own guys instead of bringing you miss on the guy that's talented. So to me, I'd rather go with talent than than somebody that fixed my system. And the last thing on the quarterback, Q. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing we could do. I mean, I would draft the kid uh, from from Tennessee and just let him sit because he's almost he, he he probably won't be able to start at the beginning of the season. But you let him sit for. Him, For about a couple months, I think he's going to be okay. And uh, that's it. I thank you guys for everything you guys do, man. And you know what? Raider Nation is passionate just like (laughs) y'all. There's no disrespect or anything. I just want you to know that.
1: No, nah, you're good, you're good. Appreciate the call, Raider Mack, and <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, that's, that's the thing about it, man, is like, you know, if you collect talent, and, and Daniel Jeremiah, who we're about to hear from in a few minutes, when he worked in Baltimore, when he was a scout with Baltimore, he used to say that, that they would just get the best player available based off talent, and then they figure out later how to use them, and they kept using Terrell Suggs, was the perfect example, was he was the guy that, he didn't even start his rookie year because they had edge rushers that were already really good, but they saw him as a talent. They said, you know what? Grab him, and we'll figure it out. He ended up winning Defensive Rookie of the Year that year, even though he didn't start. So really good organizations, and the Raiders have to figure out how to be a really good organization when it comes to the draft. They find ways to just draft talent and use them, get, find the way to get them on the field. And the other thing is what I like about Dave Ziegler and company, they look for versatile guys as well. So maybe they do one thing one way, but they could be used in multiple different roles. I think that's really important moving forward. So thank you so much for that call. Do appreciate you. Now let's get into a couple sound bites from Daniel Jeremiah. And there's so much we're not going to get to it all on today's show. But that's okay. We've got plenty of time to, to listen to what he has to say. Uh, he has his pre-combine uh, co- conference call every year. Then he has the post-combine conference call. And then right before the draft, he does another one or else – we're there in person and we get to meet with them. I think we had a good 10 to 15 minute conversation with them last year. So here's the opening statement from Daniel Jeremiah. We'll just start off at the top. Uh, what he had to say, just kind of the overall feelings about the players he's looking at in the draft.
4: This is going to be, a, I think it's going to be a fun draft. There's a lot of We've got, uh, you know, unlike last year, we've got some name brand quarterbacks um, that people are familiar with, that people have seen, that people have very strong opinions on. Um, I think the league is is very split on the, on those guys. We'll get into that, I'm sure, uh, throughout the call here. Um, uh, but I, I think this is a year where again you're gonna see some players that are 12 or 13 on on one team's board and they might be 53 on another team's board, which is uh there's a lot of variance of opinion. Um and there's uh you know there's gonna be some um, you know, there's gonna be some fascinating storylines to follow as we go towards the draft in terms of overall strength of the draft. I think it's a really good corner group. I think it's a uh, it's a good edge rusher group. Um, I think the tight end group is, is the best I've uh, I've seen in the last 10 years. It's outstanding. Um, So, you know, running backs is really solid. It's it's a it's a fun draft at some of those positions. Um, you know, the the quarterbacks, as I mentioned, are gonna be a big storyline. I don't think the wide receiver group is quite what we've seen in the few in the in the years uh recently here. Um uh, but uh anyways, it's it's deep at some positions for sure.
1: So there's Daniel Jeremiah just kind of giving you his preview. Uh this was before we ever asked one question on the call today. And again it was about a two hour, two and a half hour call, uh talking all things NFL draft. So we'll go immediately to the question I asked, as you heard him say that the league is really split on the quarterbacks. And of course, when it comes to the silver and black, quarterbacks is the first conversation we've been having a lot of it. So uh DeMond, it's actually uh SNF uh Z two six nine. He's ranking the quarterback class. That was my question. You know, can you rank the quarterback class? How many real Franchise guys, do you see in this draft?
4: I, I think there's, I, I would actually say five because you know we'll see where Hinn and Hooker lands. And again, I, I already kind of went hit, went down that road, but I know he's older, but I think he's got a chance to be a starter, be a solid starter. So I would say there's a chance to be five, and they all have concerns. They all there's not a, uh, um, it's not one of those years where you have Trevor Lawrence. It's not Joe Burrow. It's obviously not. It's not Andrew Luck. It's not that year where you say, okay, this is that one. Now I want to say can't miss, but it's going to be hard to miss. <laughs> we don't have that. Uh, they all have warts. They all have flaws. But I think there's five potential solid starters uh, in this group. I have it. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Levis Richardson. Um, but, you know, again, if you know who you have developing these guys and you have a plan in place, you know, I I think it's very close uh, when you look at how they, those guys stack up. For me, it's Bryce a gap, and then those other three guys. I think it's however they fit you, what plan you have in place, and, and how you want to use them. If you've got a veteran in place for a year, I think Anthony Richardson, you can make that case. You've got a coordinator that understands how to incorporate Will Levis's athleticism right now. I you know I know, and talking to to the folks that have been through there, they rave about his ability to handle a lot of information. So if you think about Josh McDaniels and his offense, it's been kind of known as, a, you know, they can put a lot on your plate. It sounds like that's something he's comfortable doing. I would put Hendon Hooker in that same, in that same realm. Just in terms of when they talk about his, you know, his football acumen, he's going to be able to pick it up and 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 handle a, a, a large uh, playbook there. Um, and Stroud to me is just like the he's the purest thrower of the bunch just accurate, you know, if you value decision-making accuracy as as pretty much everybody does, uh, CJ Stroud's really, really solid in that area. So that's why he's number two for me. And then Bryce, I think outside the size, just does everything at a very high level.
1: So there you go. And it's funny, we just had Raider Mack call us. And, you know, Raider Mack's been high on Bryce Young. And I'm high on Bryce Young, but his size is what, you know, really concerns, I think, everybody, including myself. But sounds like, you know, again, Bryce Young is the the cream of the crop. And none of these guys are great, great quarterbacks. But he has five as potential franchise guys. And I feel pretty good because we've been pretty spot on here on the show, right? We've been talking about Bryce Young. We've been talking about CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. And he threw Hendon Hooker in there as number five so want to go down to cut number four damon where he's talking about bryce young and cj stroud want to do a little bit more compare and contrast number one and number two he said there was a gap how big of the gap is there
4: i have bryce young um i like bryce young better on the tape um but i think cj stroud's a really good player and if the price if you're not comfortable with that price to go up you know to get to that number one pick Staying where they are and getting CJ Stroud, I'd feel just fine about that. I think he's just a pure thrower. Um, you know, the, the big question with him, it's been talked about was okay, not a lot of off schedule, not a lot of playmaking, but then all of a sudden you see the the semifinal game and you're like, dude, where's where's this been? Um, he showed you he has that ability. And the old scouting adage is if you can do it once, you can do it. Um, so, you know, he does have, he does have that ability. Now, I think Bryce is just a little, he's a little bit more of a playmaker to me consistently when you watch him. Um, I I just love his instincts and feel his ability to maneuver within the pocket, I think is better. So I think Bryce Young is a better player. Um, but I, I would not be, uh, I would not be totally bummed if you sat there at two and ended up with CJ Stroud.
1: So there you go, Daniel Jeremiah on the conference call earlier today just talking about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Again, he has Bryce Young at number one, C.J. Stroud at number two. Question about him not using his legs, but he did use it against Georgia, right? I don't, and, and so you want to know if he's going to do that consistently. And the one thing Daniel Jeremiah said is, okay, if he does, does it once, he could do it again. Will he be willing to do that is always a big question, though. So the other two guys, I think we know – number one and number two. The other two guys are the ones that myself and DeMond have said multiple times that we have a bunch of questions about, right? You just don't know. Uh, we we feel like their ceiling is really high. Just don't know what they're going to be in the league. On Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, he has the Raiders taking Will Levitz at number seven. So we asked him about Will Levitz. What was his thoughts on the quarterback from Kentucky?
4: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, Josh Allen's kind of what you're hoping. Um, he's going to be there. I, I would say – you know the evaluation part of it if we go there first you know you you start with the sacks and the turnovers I mean that's the that's the cause for concern that's the flag so you've got to you've got to navigate that and you've got to dig into that if you're a team and and talk to him and sit down and watch the tape and go through it and see if you can learn some things is not not all that stuff's going to be on him when you look at some of the turnovers there's a good number of tip throws when you look at the sacks there's the offensive line wasn't very good in front of him this year and there's some loan protection so i'd want to sit there and go through all the sacks and all the turnovers when you sit down with him because it is a big number and it needs to be explained but i don't think that's all on him um the injury thing is another one and i mean i don't want to go through and try and excuse away you know some issues but when i watched him i i didn't you know i did not like when he was working to the left side of the field i thought he was closed off i thought he threw against himself. And then I come to find out after I've watched the tape that he had a you know messed up toe, he's got a messed up shoulder. And I think that impacted that to a degree. Um, but the things that you can't refute, he's got a strong arm. He's a really good athlete, especially the year before when he's healthy. You can see him as a runner. Um, you can use him on some design quarterback run stuff, as well as him just organically making things happen. Um, he's tough. He hangs in there and takes shots. Um, there are, you know, there are some times where I wish he would, feel things better on the backside. Um, every time he gets hit, it's a surprise party. So I, I wish he just had a little bit better feel to get up and get away from some of those things. Um, but toughness is not an issue at all. He can make every type of throw you want. Um, but to me, it's, it's digging in on some of those issues to, to figure out, you know, what, what the deal is with him um, and why, you know, some of those things happen in terms of the turnovers and the sacks, other quarterbacks you try and compare him to, I mean, that's tough. As an athlete, I think there's some comparison to Ryan Tannehill when he was coming out. Um, I think you look at his frame, Dak Prescott is one. I think that's a fair comp for him. Um, same conference, same build, same toughness. Uh, the stuff on Dak when you talk to the coaches there, you know, worker, intelligent, tough winner. Like you'll hear all those exact same things said about Will Levis. They rave about him. So uh, you know, as I think about it, that might end up being the best comparison.
1: There's Daniel Jeremiah talking about Will Levis and that was a lot that he he unpacked right there. That's why I love these conference calls because he really will not just go through it and fly through it and say, "Oh yeah, he's this guy and that." And that's it. But I mean, he talked about, you know, Josh Allen. That's the that's the guy that everyone's hoping Will Levis is going to be, Josh Allen. But you also heard him say Ryan Tannehill comparable, Dak Prescott. And Dak, I think is a good quarterback. Is he great? Not really, right? I mean, he's good, but he's not great. And then you saw what he did this past year. So, I mean, I just feel like if you draft Will Levitz, and I know a lot of people love his upside, love the fact that he's got the strong build, he's got the strong arm, very athletic, you're hoping and praying that he turns into Josh Allen. But there's no, there's no promise that he's going to be that guy. I just feel like, DeMond, and, and, and you give me your thoughts on it, when you hear that breakdown... To me, it sounds like there's a lot of red flags there. What are your thoughts?
3: Yes, a lot of red flags. The one thing that was very concerning to me, it sounds like that he doesn't have that pocket awareness. Yes. Where you can be as tough as you want to be, but if you keep getting hit, you know, eventually those hits are going to add up. Yep. Where you know you can be the guy. Oh, he just he keeps getting back up. But why are you taking so many hits? And mm-hmm. I think that that's one of those things that maybe it can be trained or learned out of you. But that at least for me, his first two or three years in the league, he's going to get happy feet. He's going to take some sacks, or he's just going to run off. That that with the other top guys in this in this class excluding Anthony Richardson, hey, it's these guys, they have that. They have it upstairs. They have it in between the ears, as someone said a couple of days ago. And I don't think that Will Levis has it because at this level, making it to the pros, being a a top 10 pick, everybody's going to have the arm talent. You can make those throws. I'm sure he's going to have a fantastic pro day.
1: Yeah, and combine.
3: Yeah, Yes, he's yeah. going like, to make all the throws in T-shirt and shorts. But yep. what's going to happen when he gets that pressure on him? That's what I'm con- concerned about with him.
1: No, I, I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, you get to the league. You could athle- be an athlete to make it to the league, right? But you have to be a hell of a football player to survive in the league. And I don't know if he's going to survive. There's a lot of red flags for me. I would just say for the Raiders in particular, since they have so many questions and they've got to find a guy of the future, if you're going to draft Will Levison, he's going to go in the top ten. If you're going to draft him, say, at number seven, he's got to be the right guy. And to me, that just doesn't sound like the right guy. That's just me based off of what an evaluator, a talent evaluator, is saying and what we've seen and, and, and heard, especially this last year, where he made a lot of bad decisions against some teams that he shouldn't make a lot of bad decisions. So, of course, that leaves Anthony Richardson. What does Daniel Jeremiah think of the quarterback out of Florida? Here he is.
4: And making calls just around the league, you t- the best way to do you know the quarterback conversation is talk to the teams that don't need one, and then you'll get kind of an accurate feel just how they evaluate them and what they think. And Anthony Richardson is the you know the second quarterback for several teams that I talked to, and and we can look at the numbers and you know I it doesn't look great on paper, and you look at the accuracy and this that and the other. He's got elite elite arm strength. He's a rare athlete. You don't see quarterbacks, you know, running away from LSU with 80-yard touchdown runs. Like he's got big time, big time ceiling, big time ability. And, you know, you can find the games. If you want to fall in love with Anthony Richardson, you pop on Utah, you think he's the first pick in the draft. Um, even Missouri, he makes some big-time plays in that game. So, you know, I know it's a little bit of a roller coaster. I know he hasn't played a ton, but teams are you're starting to look at some of these quarterbacks as lottery tickets, and this one has the biggest payout. So that's why I think you're going to see Richardson go pretty high.
1: There you go. Daniel Jeremiah talking about Anthony Richardson. And both of those last two guys that we heard the breakdown of, I think that they would be ideal for teams that have a quarterback that could take a, a chance and say, you know what, this guy could be the future Gonna go ahead and draft this guy and hope that we could develop him. But I just don't feel like either one of those guys are good bets for teams that are I don't want to say desperate, but need a quarterback really bad. Right? There's certain teams that are in position. Like let's go let's go to Kansas City. When they went and made the move for Patrick Mahomes, they traded up twenty four to ten, but they were already going to the playoffs year after year after year with Alex Smith. They were already winning. Were they over the top? Were they the Super Bowl champs that they are now? No, not of course at all. But you saw that they were already a winning team. There weren't a team that only, only quarterbacks on their roster is an undrafted free agent out of Cal. And that's where the Raiders are right now. I mean, literally they have no quarterback on their roster but Chase Garbers, right? I mean, so I just look at those last two guys, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, and I just don't think that the, the juice is worth the squeeze when it comes to those guys because the Raiders got to get it right. They've got to get a quarterback that they feel confident, confident in, and those guys sound like they need a lot of development.
3: Yeah, when it comes to those two guys with needing the development and looking at the draft order, I think that whoever can fall to nine and get to Carolina, I think that's going to be the person that's lucky. Where, yeah, he's going to be needed to be the guy. But I think that Frank Reich will be the coach that could actually help mold a young quarterback. So,
1: But they need a quarterback, too. Who's they, their yeah, guy? They need,
3: they need the guy now. But I'm yeah. saying you'll have that guy, um, let's say, in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. They need Trevor Lawrence to be the guy now. Right. But you know, Urban Meyer, he looks like one of the worst rookies ever. You bring in Doug Peterson. Right. And now look at what happened in year two. So when it comes to up, up earlier, like whoever goes to Indianapolis, I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm saying I believe in Frank Reich enough that he gets one of those guys that has the bigger payout, as Daniel Jeremiah said. That might be one of the better landing spots for them because I don't think, as the Patrick Mahomes situation, that's not happening in this year's draft. The teams that are going to pick the quarterback right. are going to need a quarterback.
1: No doubt, no doubt. I, I just feel like those last two guys. The best ideal situation is a team that already has a guy solidified and say, okay, you know what? We think that this could be a quarterback of the future. Like say, say one of those guys ends up with the Lions. You know, I, I can see. I think I think Daniel Jeremiah had Anthony Richardson going to the Lions. He could sit behind Jared Goff. Jared Goff is coming off a really good season, so he could sit behind Jared Goff and and see how he develops. And if he develops, then when it's time for Jared Goff to you know be on his way or, or re-up his contract, maybe Anthony Richardson could take over at that point. If the team like the Raiders were to draft Anthony Richardson or Will Levis in the top ten, all of a sudden you're looking at the guy that you think is going to start sometime this year, and I don't think either one of those guys are ready to start any time this year so that's that's kind of what the hangup I have with those two guys uh, Mailman Raiders said Q. DJ said Richardson was the second quarterback on some teams. He talked to his draft board. That seems like a ton of smoke to me to try to get other teams to to buy in on him so they can go get their guy. No way he's number two. And I feel the same way, right? And that's a a good observation from you, Mailman Raider, because I do believe some of these teams, they will communicate with the Mel Kipers, with the Daniel Jeremiahs, with the Todd McShays, with all those guys to say, hey, yeah, he's number two on our board. So then Daniel gets on a conference call and says, well, He's number two on a lot of guys' boards, and that may make teams decide, oh, well, damn, we better trade up and go get this guy. And maybe they're not even looking at that guy. So that's a good observation from you. I do appreciate it. Uh, our don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187. Keyword r is brought to you by the DLC. We definitely appreciate them. The question that I have for you, what's more exciting for you this offseason, free agency or the draft and why? Let us know about it. Coming up next, Justice Mosqueda. He's going to talk about the draft to talk about what classes are deep, and what's not so deep? If you need the, court, the quarterback, you better get him. If you need a certain position, you better get that. We'll talk about it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: It's unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
1: Question that we threw out there to you on our DolbyBroke.com text line 69187, keyword RNR. What is more exciting for you this offseason? Is it free agency? Or is it the draft and why? Let us know. Again, the Don'tBeBroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Going out to the phone lines now, joining us. We're pleased to bring in from SB Nation's Acme Packing Company. It's Justice Mosqueda, and he has a piece out right now called where the 2023 NFL draft class is the strongest and the weakest. And, Justice, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you and got off a conference call with Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network a a couple hours ago, and he was ranting and raving about the tight end class and how deep the tight end class is. Uh, What are your thoughts on that tight end class? How deep is it really?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's great. I know he threw out – what was it, Potentially like seven tight ends going yeah. in the first two rounds. I think there are five guys uh, at the top who are basically, you know, first and second round locks at the top. You know, you get Michael Meyer um, from Notre Dame. You know, he's he's pretty close. I've seen people compare him to like Jason Witten, you know, Antonio Gates, that level of a prospect. Don Kincaid out of Utah is more of like your pass catcher, kind of like a stronger Mike Gaseki type. Darnell Washington out of Georgia, um, who's you know more of an inline tight end, more of a blocker, and then you think like, wow, that's a really great class. That's three guys who are you know on on the fringe of the first round, and then you have a guy like Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, who's probably going to light up the combine, you know, next week. So it's it's a really good deep crop in a way that we haven't seen. I, I compared it to previous draft classes, just kind of using. Like those draft trade value charts, if you guys have ever seen mm-hmm. that, you know on draft day. Yep. Um, and kind of mapped out, you know what a typical tight end class has looked like since 2011, which is when the rookie wage scale came in, and compared it to like the projection of this year. It's about 40 percent, you know, more more value in this draft class at the tight end position in the average draft class since 2011 to put that in perspective so yeah, yeah if you need one this is probably the year you want to take one because there's going to be plenty
1: of opportunity well you know darnell right you mentioned him he's a young man from georgia he's also a las vegas native he got my man damon in the home studio all fired up about him tell us a little bit more about darnell he is a big big dude
2: He is a freak athlete and you know what i i think he might be a better pass catcher at the nfl level than he was at georgia you know georgia wasn't slinging the rock in the same way that, mm-hmm. like, all these other college teams do, right? Uh, they're more of an under-center offense. I mean, heck, their offensive coordinator just got hired by the Baltimore Ravens, right. you know I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not like you're going to be throwing every single play when you have Lamar Jackson's legs, you know, in, in the backfield anyway. Um, but as far as, like, a pure blocker, just insane. I mean, one of the more physical tight ends that we've seen recently, he, he's got freakish measurables. He might run pretty well this upcoming weekend or uh this this upcoming week um really just up there with like almost like a mercedes lewis is really Mm. the guy that people are comparing him to type of prospect where maybe he's not going to be the guy who puts up 800 yards maybe you're not going to be splitting him out at a wide receiver like a kelsey or a darren waller but teams are going to be afraid of this guy and he's (laughs) going to be a pain in the butt to deal with for you know a decade
1: yeah, no, hey, look, man, I guarantee people are going to make business decisions when he's running downhill with the ball in his hands, they're going to say. uh No, <laughs> not at all. It's like, thanks, but no thanks. I'm getting out of the way of this Mack truck that's coming through. We're talking all things NFL draft. We're talking about the weak portion of the, cl- of the class, Who's who's what position is not as deep, and then what positions are really deep. We're doing that right now with Justice Mosqueda, uh, AcmePackingCompany.com, part of SB Nation. We'll get into the Green Bay Packers part of things, but my man DeMond's got something for you
3: yeah something else i want to ask you about when it comes to the weak position groups in this draft would be linebacker raider nation has been wishing for that mm-hmm. big strong middle linebacker for years now our college is not even just producing that type of a guy anymore let's say the prototypical ray lewis to be like the end all be all type middle linebacker anymore
2: oh man I, I you know last draft class they had a couple come off of the board right like mm-hmm. jacksonville took one Quay walker out of, out of uh Georgia went to Green Bay and stuff like that. This this draft class is super weird. So if you look at a consensus draft board, there's only two guys who are even remotely in the conversation for the first round. You can look at draft mock drafts right now, and there are mock drafts that just don't have an off-ball linebacker going in the first round at all. The um, top guy in the class seems to be Trenton Simpson from Clemson. He's been falling down draft boards uh, throughout the season just because I think people are more watching his tape and not just like, um, going off of his athleticism, like the athleticism is there, but he's not necessarily a polished product. The guy after that is Drew Sanders at Arkansas, um, who is an edge rusher who actually transferred from Alabama and played at Arkansas. So he's kind of more of a hybrid guy. And then that's you know that's it as far as the first round guys. After that is mm. Noah Sewell out of Oregon, big time recruit Henry Toloto out of Alabama, who you you guys might have remembered him playing at Tennessee, being a captain there, and then transferring to Alabama. He's kind of like their signal caller. Both of those guys have issues in coverage. So they're more of like an older school type of linebacker, but how does that fit in the NFL scheme? Like the guys that are rising right now are like uh, Dayon Henley from uh, Washington State who you know, got a bunch of praise from playing down at the Senior Bowl and stuff like that. But he was a wide receiver at Nevada, transferred to Washington State to play uh, linebacker and was still playing special teams for the Cougars. Like he was wow. winning this past year was getting, like, player of the week on special teams for the Pac-12 as a non-return man, right? Like, that's just his impact as, like, a tackler on special teams. So yeah, I mean, this is uh, really—it's a a relatively weak class at off-ball linebacker. When we looked at the differences between, again, the averages since uh, 2011, it was easily the weakest class by almost double— um, so it's about thirty-one percent less valuable than the average off-ball linebacker class. So if you guys are hoping for a linebacker, hope, hope a couple of these guys break out, you know, at the combine and start moving up board. Because as it stands right now, there's really not even that many names available that are like in that conversation at the top of the draft.
1: So real quick, you're saying that uh, there's no Roquan Smith available. <laughs>
2: There's Hey, not unless you make Trent Simpson one. I mean, you you got to coach him up to be that. But, yeah, <laughs> there's none that are... They're not growing off of trees anymore. Yeah.
3: Right. And one of the position groups that you have going that's rated pretty highly is Edge Rusher. How deep in this draft do you think that you can find a quality starter at Edge Rusher?
2: You know, I think the first two rounds are chocked full of them. Um, if you just look at it by volume, and that's the tricky part with Edge Rusher, right? Like, if there's... Five edge rushers, they're all going to go off the board pretty quickly. If there's 10 rushers, they're still probably going to go off the board pretty quickly. It's just teams are going to take more at-bats. They're going to go out of the way to pick them. Um, there's about 10 guys in this draft class. I would expect they all go in roughly the first two rounds, but you know, there's even guys like um, yeah, people are going to talk about Will Anderson, mm-hmm. Miles Murphy out of Clemson, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. Those are easily the top guys in the class. I think they all have a chance to potentially go in the top 10, but You know, even late in the second round, you're talking about guys like Keon White out of Georgia Tech, who's kind of a base end. Started his career at Old Dominion as a tight end, and kind of blew up as kind of like one of those sticker edge rushers um, for you know a transitioning Georgia Tech team. You have the smaller guys like Nolan Smith. I think he was playing in the two thirties, ended up getting hurt for Georgia. Um, Will McDonald, who you know multiple times. First team, all Big 12 pass rusher at Iowa State, but he's a little bit of a smaller guy. And then the real wild card is Andre Carter at Army. I mean, they haven't really um, even, like, officially announced, like, what his service situation is going to be like. He's a freak athlete, you know, actually played kind of like a linebacker role for Army, even though he's massive. He's like six seven or something like that. Um, so no one knows if, you know, he's going to be, you know, in the league this next year or if he's going to have to, you know, play, he's going to have to work his... To your service before, you know, he's allowed to play in the NFL. So he's the real wild card in the draft. But there's about ten names. If you're looking at edge rushers, corners, tight ends, maybe even running backs a little bit, um, I I think this class is, you know, pretty set.
1: Well, let's stay on the defensive line. You talked about edge rushers. How about the interior? How about the defensive tackles? What is it looking like?
2: Yeah, so the big name, right, obviously, is going to be Jalen Carter. I mean, he has a chance to go number one overall. Um, After that, it's really kind of like a, Pick your own flavor type mm, of situation. Okay. You have guys like Tiaki Ika from Baylor. He's yeah. a massive just nose tackle, can play that role really well. Then you have a guy like Kalijah Kancy. Um they're probably both gonna go in the second round. Kalijah Kancy out of Pittsburgh, he's like two hundred eighty pounds, right? Like he, he's he's more in that Aaron Donald mold. You know, he's not necessarily Aaron Donald. It's it's hard to be that guy, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. but but it's kind of like a pick your own flavor type of situation, I think kind of the sleeper in this draft, Keanu Benton um, out of Wisconsin, he played nose tackle for them. But once he got down to senior bowl, you know, down in Mobile, and he was able to show off that he can kind of penetrate like a three-tech, you know, the gears start turning on some of these guys, and we've seen him rise up draft boards um, probably like two rounds since he stepped foot in in, uh, down in Alabama just because it's like, if you're that big and you can play three-tech, those guys usually go off the board, you know, in the top. You're you're talking about like a Kenny Clark or a Vita Vett, you know, those types of guys. Those guys usually don't last until the fourth round, which is what he kind of entered uh, the All-Star game as. So if he does well at the combine, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being in that first-round conversation and potentially being right there with Brian Brissy out of Clemson for potentially the second interior lineman.
1: Talking all things NFL draft right now with Justice Mosqueda here on Radio Nation Radio 920, unnecessary roughness. How about the cornerback position? One guy that I'm really intrigued by is Joey Porter Jr., but I also know Christian Gonzalez is a heck of a player as well. How do you kind of compare and contrast those guys, and how deep is this corner class? This corner class is amazing. Uh, I I will not lie to you. I mean, we're talking about,
2: (laughs) you know, Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, Joey Porter out of Penn State, potentially being top ten picks later in the first round. Cam Smith out of South Carolina, Keeley Ringo, who, you know, there's some questions about if he's going to be a cover three corner, kind of like uh, Richard uh, Sherman, or if he's going to end up transitioning to safety. And then you have borderline guys like Emmanuel Ford from Mississippi State and Clark Phillips from Utah. There's potentially, what is that, seven guys that could go in the first round at the cornerback position. The, The difference between Porter and Gonzalez, I would say, Gonzalez, really long, great ball skills. The one thing that kind of hurts him is his ability to play the run. And that's where the uh, NFL pedigree and the fact that he, you know, was raised in the same house as Joey Porter probably helps Joey Porter Jr.
1: out.
3: Something else about that cornerback position is, is are there going to be those guys that are sleepers that you'll be able to have day one starters, but maybe pick them in the fourth or the fifth round, a la what the Seahawks did last season? Mm.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, Eli Ricks is a guy who came in really highly touted as a transfer out of LSU to Alabama who didn't necessarily pan out, and I think that's probably suppressing his draft value. And mind you, I mean, Alabama has like three safeties coming in this draft class, right? Like Malachi Moore returned to school because he couldn't beat out Brian Branch to play in a nickel spot. He's probably going to be a first-round pick next year. So that's the kind of like uh, talent that was in that DB room, and and maybe that suppressed Ricks a little bit. And if that did happen, you know, potentially he's available. The other guy I would say is. Riley Moss, he's apparently supposed to be really fast. Um, he, he's, he's the uh, white rhino. He's the last <laughs> of the white cornerback, Right. So that, that's going to be an interesting one. It seems like he's actually going to play corner, too. It's not going to be a Troy Apke situation where it's, you know, white corner comes in, they immediately move into safety. I think Riley Moss is going to stick at corner. And, you know, that Iowa, um, if you're talking about guys who get drafted on day three, you know, that fourth, third, fifth round, somewhere around there, Right and, and end up playing really well in the league. Iowa's the program to look at, it. and I think Riley Moss, you know, might have a chance to be that guy.
1: Justice, I had a couple questions about wide receivers. I've seen conflicting reports. I've seen some say that twenty-five to thirty wide receivers will go in the first three rounds. I've seen others that say this wide receiver class isn't very good. So you tell me, man, what does this wide receiver class look like to you?
2: Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? Okay. Um, this, this wide receiver class is very interesting because. Just if we're talking about the top guys, right? I, I can tell you the positives and, and negatives, right? So, Quinn Johnson, four, amazing with the ball in his hand, breaks all sorts of tackles. He came out of that TCU system where he's lining up on one side of the ball and he has very limited reps. So, you could look at that and say, like, you know, he, height, weight, speed, right? All that stuff. He could break tackles, give you some yak yards, right? Or you could look at it and be like, is this kind of Kevin White all over again? Ooh. And then you can look at guys like, Jordan Addison, Jalen Hyatt, Zay Flowers, depending on what offense you want to run, like if you're any of these teams running that Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur type of offense where, you know, you're using Alan Lazard and he has to dig out a linebacker, those guys are all too small to do that stuff. So, like, how do they fit in that offensive system? And then the other big name is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who didn't have a great year this past year, even though some – you know, thought that he was maybe a better wide receiver prospect last year than Olave or Garrett Wilson. You know, he potentially might run like a low four six at the combine and be thought of as kind of like a uh, as a slot wide receiver. So there's a lot of positives and negatives to this wide receiver class. There's certainly a ton of names, but it's not an easy one to project. So I'm not so surprised that there's so many split opinions on it.
1: Is there going to be – we're going to be in the scouting combine next week. Is there going to be any wide receivers that have blazing speed that we may not be talking about right now that all of a sudden get on our radar after they run that 40 next week?
2: Yeah. So, A.T. Perry is one of them out of okay. Wake Forest. He's a long guy. He's like six um, he He's going to run really well. I wouldn't be surprised if he was kind of like the Marquez-Valas-Scantling mm. of this draft class, right, where like – Maybe he goes in the fourth round and then, you know, some team has him for four years and they're just like, Yeah, he takes the top off the defense and we got that for a fourth round pick. Holy crap. Usually you have to spend first rounders for this type of stuff. He can just kinda take a like a Ted Ginn type of role where he's just kind of uh spending safeties and corners so those inside guys can kinda get open and stuff like that. The other one, and I'm gonna butcher his name, Andrea Iosivas, I believe is his name. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, track. he's a track athlete um, out of Princeton. You know, he's potentially mm. going to run, like, a four-two-four-three down there. Ooh. And he's got pretty good size. So he's an interesting guy. I think he has, like, a anime avata- avatar on his Twitter account. So nice. just ge- generally interesting, Ivy League background, um, anime avatar, can run a 4-2. Like, th- those guys don't grow off of trees.
1: No, no, and clearly he ain't no dummy either. <laughs> you know He didn't, no, uh, He ain't no dummy. He ain't going to prison and is a dummy. So that that's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm definitely going to pay attention to him when I'm down there in uh, in, in uh, uh, Indianapolis next week. Final question for you. And it's kind of a two-parter. We got this text on our don'tbebroke.com text line. Can you ask him about two players, Starling Thomas, cornerback from UAB, and also Clayton Toon, the cornerback from Houston?
2: I haven't seen Thomas. I have seen Toon. Toon is an interesting guy because he just kind of like – does everything right um, um you know he he's played a lot of football in the past um i heard that he was doing pretty well down at the senior bowl i wouldn't be surprised if he ended up getting drafted i know some people are a little higher on him than than uh you know the consensus draft board and stuff like that but he got the combine invite went to the senior bowl i think he ends up getting drafted i wouldn't be surprised if he's one of those guys who sticks around in the league and you know, everyone's like, hey, that's the glue guy, you know, in the locker room. We'd love to have him as, like, the kind of, like, backup quarterback type of situation.
1: Well, and I told you, or I didn't tell you, but I told others that, you know, from com, you're part of the SB Nation, also cover the Packers. What's the feeling? What's the gut feeling around the guy who just came out of the darkness, Aaron Rodgers? Is he staying? Is he going? What's the deal? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Uh, everyone wants to talk about it. You know, I think the Raiders are
2: still poking around. Um, I don't know how serious they are about it. It seemed like Denver was a whole lot more serious about wooing Aaron Rodgers at this point in the offseason last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know the general manager just went on, I believe, what was it, uh, some, some part, busting with the boys oh, yeah. yeah yep. and was saying, you know, we don't necessarily need to patch up this quarterback situation this offseason. We have time to develop a guy, which... I don't know, Devonte Adams. You going right. to speak up about that? Right. Now's the time. Now's the time to make your piece. um I, I think the Jets are a really interesting spot for many reasons, um, because of you know uh, the the media market in general, plus the fact that the ownership owns Johnson and Johnson would be an interesting conversation on day one with Aaron Rodgers. I kind of think with all the link the leaks that are coming out of Green Bay and the fact that they're saying things like. We didn't love that you know he he diddled around all off season last year and didn't show up to OTAs and you know that's one of the reasons why it took so long for these rookie receivers to come along and stuff like that and mm-hmm. he's welcome back if he's all in on football and like what does that even mean I, I kind of feel like retirement is more on the table this year than it feels like it ever really has been and I know Aaron Jones the running back for the Packers kind of said the same thing on another podcast earlier this week so. That's kind of my gut feeling is like 60% he's going to retire, 40% depends on what the offer is, I guess.
1: Okay. There you go. Well, it's going to be interesting. It's always interesting. And it always lingers, lingers around, and it seems like somehow Aaron Rodgers just ends up returning to Green Bay when it's all said and done. So we'll see how it shakes out. Well, Justice, fantastic stuff, man. Great breakdowns. We definitely appreciate it. What do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for?
2: Oh, man, I'm going to be down at uh, down at the Combine, too. So, nice. Yeah, if you guys c- come find me, I'll probably have a drink in hand. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be covering it for SB Nation and AcmePackingCompany.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q, June Musk. And, yeah, keep out, keep a lookout for the tweets next week. Hopefully we do something interesting down there.
1: No doubt, no doubt. We'll definitely link up, my man. I do appreciate you this afternoon. We'll see you next week in uh, in Indy.
2: Yes, sir, anytime.
1: Thanks. All right. There he goes. Justice Mosqueda, uh, AcmePackingCompany.com, at J-U-M-O-S-Q on Twitter. Great breakdowns. Really good breakdowns. That was a whole like NFL draft hour we just had here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Let's go ahead and hook up some winning before we take a quick break. Uh, let's go ahead and send you to the Mountain West Conference. The tournament's coming up March 5th through 11th at Thomas & Mack here in Vegas. You want to go, we got a pair of tickets for you right now. Plus, we'll get you in to win the VIP uh, package. As a matter of fact, it's worth about $1,500. That's food. That's food. That's drinks, that's parking, that's tickets to the whole tournament. We're going to get you laced up with a pair of tickets right now. little general admin tickets in. So uh, hit us up. Caller number 9. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and hook up two. Caller number 9 and 10. We'll feel a little froggy today on this Friday. 702-365-9200. Caller number 9 and 10. We're going to get you laced up with a pair of tickets to the Mount West Conference. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation
1: Radio. So funny, I was just walking around here at the home studio, stretching my legs. <laughs> I've been sitting down, and DeMond could tell you when we're in the Finley-Cadillac Performance Studio, I stand the whole show. So I've been sitting here, and then I sat there in in the, my chair at my desk, I sat for the whole two and a half hours of that, that conference call with Daniel Jeremiah, so I was like, man, I gotta stretch my legs. So I get up, I start stretching my legs and start talking to little Sarah, talking about plans for later on this night, and I thought, well... I think I'm going to go ahead and sit it on down, put my headset back on, and we're literally coming back from commercial. <laughs> wow, timing is everything. Oh, man, that would have been all bad. DeMond would have been looking up like, Q, hey, Q. <laughs> Yo, Q would have sound, like, uh, sound like Tupac and Juice. Hey, Q. Say, Q, what are you doing? Yeah, just nothing, chilling, making a sandwich, you know, <laughs> just running around. Trying to, trying to keep my legs uh, moving. That was funny. Good timing. Timing is everything right there. Definitely appreciate all the feedback. Definitely appreciate Justice. Justice Mosqueda, who joined us in the last segment, he was fantastic. We'll definitely link up with him in, uh, in uh, Indy next week. I keep wanting to say Mobile, Alabama. We're not going to Mobile. If I go to Mobile, there ain't going to be nothing there for me. There ain't no senior bowl going on. It's the scouting combine, and Indy will be there next week. Vegas Pete, hit us up on our don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r and always like to hear from Vegas Pete. He said, if the Raiders still need a quarterback at 17, I really like Levis. At 17? 17, at, at 17, they pick at 7. He runs a pro-style offense already. is accurate, has a strong arm. Pick him and, re- and re-sign steady, then go defense the rest of the draft. Okay, in the first round at seven. I got it. Okay, one point. There you go. If the Raiders still need a quarterback at seven, he really likes Levis. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan. I feel like that there's some warts there, but I understand, I understand where a lot of people are intrigued because he's very athletic. Uh, he's got the, big, got the big build, got the strong arm, and everyone keeps envisioning Josh Allen. But – when we had uh, – we are listening to what Je- Daniel Jeremiah had to say from the conference call earlier today when he said Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> that kind of – and DeMond, as a as a Tennessee Titan fan, what did you think when you heard Ryan Tannehill? Or Is that something that you're signing up for?
3: No bueno. That was one of those – like, that's the uh, – if that's a more apt comparison, because obviously Josh Allen's going to be the high end if he right. reaches 100% of his potential. Right. You're saying, hey, more likely he'll have a Ryan Tannehill career. I'm not taking that in the top ten.
1: No, 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 me either, me either. So I, I like that. Uh, great, great response there, DeMond. 358 of time. We'll come back, kick off hour number three of the show. Carolina Teague, she'll join us from ESPN 97.5 in H-Town, talking all things XFL, and then we'll get to some more sound bites from Daniel Jeremiah and the conference call that we were on earlier today. This is Rare Edition Radio 920.